It's one of the things that we try to teach people who are coming into being caregivers because it's, it's intense and it lasts a very long time. And to be able to find the joy in the moments that you share with that person is really important. Hi, I'm Bobby. I'm a certified caregiving consultant and a certified caregiving educator. I also lead a caregiver support group in my local community. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here, we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two, because we all know laughter is the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. Speaking of best medicines, right? <laughs> you got that right. Uh, but one of the things that I like to talk to caregivers, especially beginning caregivers, is the importance of going into the world of the person with dementia. They can't meet us where we are. We have to go where they are. Um, and that brings us to today's guest, who is a semi-retired mechanical bio biomedical engineer and inventor who likes building things out of industrial junk. He's been a caregiver for his wife of 33 years since her diagnosis in 2011. He says his goal is to deliver happiness and quality of life. Please welcome to the show, Bruce Williams. Hi, Bruce. Welcome, Bruce. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. And Mike, I was going to trim my mustache and my beard so I'd look a little bit better, but now that I've seen you, I don't feel quite so bad. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, man, I need a trim. <laughs> well, the good the good news is I don't feel it's all audio, not video. So, oh, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, he said welcome that, to the show. I have a face made for radio, anyway. So he said that uh, beard and mustache for as long as I've known him. But you should have seen him last week before I gave him a haircut. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was. I'm not so lucky. <laughs> you know, Bruce, one of the important things, you know, that I mentioned at the beginning of the show was going into the world where our, the people that we're caring for live. And what I've seen of what you do with Anne, you are an expert at that. And that's a large part of what I hope to share with our listeners today, because you really have a very special relationship with her and a very positive way of dealing with her. Well, yes, thank you. I tried the best I can. Um, it's just, uh, it's trying to follow and kind of predetermine what, you know, the outcome that I want, and as long as it matches what she would like to see done. And uh, it doesn't always work quite as good as I had planned. But as you know, a uh, dementia patient lives in a very, very small bubble of time. And so we have to type, try to align ourselves within that bubble of time. Otherwise, the moment will pass and we'll lose it. Or we have to wait for the next time when she's receptive to what I would like for her to do. Like, for example, change into her pajamas or something like that. It could be very difficult. Or eat, for example. There's a lot of things that come up that, okay, how am I going to deal with this? And first of all, is try, you know, distraction, try to do something that gets her distracted um, and then just kind of slide into the activity that uh, we need to get accomplished. Well, one of the things that I used to do with, with Roger when I wanted to get him to bathe, because he was very resistant to it, uh, as many people with dementia are. But he also told me one day that people in the old country aren't as concerned with bathing as people in the United States are. 
but they would reach a point where he really needed to take a bath. But he, all I had to do was say, you have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. And he would go in and take a shower and change his clothes. Oh, that's awesome. Um, now you mentioned getting in, into her pajamas. Can you give an example of what you might do? Well, um, it's basically try to, first of all, get her upstairs and, and you know, get her up and around. I mean, I, we try to get her moving and, and try to get her, keep her occupied. Um, so she sleeps through the night. I have been trying to keep her up to a certain time so she can sleep through the night. And then sometimes you just have to, we call it the, the you know, the, uh, the grab and go. Uh, you have to, you know, grab the pants, pull them down. And then there's the, there are those uh, pull-ups to mm -hmm. work right. with and they tear from the side. Right. And it was, I would find one that's, you know, really, I, I don't want to be graphic <laughs> or anything, but to find one that's really wet or, you know, something that's needed changed. there. And, <laughs> yeah, it needed changed. And, and I'll say, honey, look at this, you know, you really need a change. And she'll go, you did that. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, fine. That's all right. As long as we get the job right. done. And I did find it's, it's interesting because once she's there and she's, you know, sitting on the edge of her bed on a towel, getting ready to, you know, I'll try to clean her up a little bit with the wipes. Um, I rub her foot. She likes a foot massage and she doesn't like putting the new pull-up on. But once I'm massaging her feet and I, I'll take one leg of the pull-up and, and push it on and keep massaging her feet, then, okay, now I'll go to the other foot. Then I'll pick up her other foot and massaging it. And she's really enjoying that. And while I'm doing that, I'm sliding that pull-up on and keep massaging her feet and then just sliding the thing up her legs and I'm massaging her legs. And, and it's interesting because sometimes, you know, that type of distraction takes her mind off the fact that I am really invading her space. Another thing is I'm a guy. Right. So she has that, she has that uh, built-in modesty, if you will, uh, that, that I'm a guy and may not necessarily be her husband. Which, so that's it's you interesting. Know. Yes, you talked about the process, and Bobby always calls that creative problem solving on the run. And yeah, and yes, absolutely. Uh, she often says when she speaks, you know, what works right now might not necessarily work ten minutes from now or tomorrow or the day after. Exactly, that's what I was but, saying. That bubble of time you have to occupy where they are at that particular moment, correct? Because it may not last long. Now you mentioned, you know, you're being a guy and she may not know that you're her husband. So she has this um, modesty. And I think that sometimes that's one of the reasons why people have a problem getting into the shower when they have dementia, because most of us have body issues of some sort and we don't want other people to see us without our clothes. Um, there's right. a number of other reasons why, but this is one. And, you know, I like to tell people it's possible to wash somebody through a towel. You can put it, you know, over her chest or, or across a man's lap, if that kind of thing. That's right. 
Now, I've yes. also seen in walking through the house on some of those wonderful videos that you post on Facebook, and wandering mm -hmm. is something that very often becomes an issue. For some reason, a lot of caregivers feel, even for those who don't have walking problems, that they should be sitting. That yes. <laughs> Uh, I have I a lot of the caregiver support groups. Uh, they say, well, he keeps getting up. He keeps wanting to move around, you know. Or she she's always exit seeking. Well, you know, if someone's exit seeking, it's very simple to put a a lock on the door so they cannot exit the house. Exercise is good. Yes. Exercise exercise you know keeps them interested. Keeps their mind going. It keeps them. It keeps them exploring. Keep in mind, you know, what did we do as children? We explored our world. And as our world closes in on us, we feel isolated. And I wanted her to not feel isolated. And as I said before, redefine Alzheimer's as it applies to her. Not, um, well, there are so many books out there. The, I, the, the granddaddy of them all is probably the 36 mm -hmm. hour day. Well, they all tend to be recipe books. Well, you can't follow a recipe. It's not baking a cake. It's dealing with a human being who has their own uh, desires and needs and their own personality. And depending upon what that personality is, I'm talking about a lady who used to jump in her airplane and, and, and start it up and go fly to lunch with a bunch of ladies. You know, and she, she was that type of person. And she was a pilot and, and she'd, she'd race a car. And I mean, she, she'd do all these different things, pushing the envelope all the time. And so this is a baseline that she'd established over the first 63 years of her life before she was diagnosed. And so I didn't want to pretty much take all that away from her. I wanted to still give her the opportunity to, to explore her world as small as it may be, but with the installation of safety gates so she can't go upstairs or, you know, someplace here or lock this particular door. Um, it allows her the freedom that she needs and to express herself and to express her need to explore that smally, that diminishing world that she lives in. Well, not only that, but, you know, how long can you sit in one place right before you feel the need to get up and stretch and walk around and loosen up the muscles a little bit. And, and, <laughs> and, and the older we get, the more important that that is. And the quicker that point comes where I need to get up and move around a little bit. My hips are starting to hurt or, or my back is starting to hurt. And they don't understand that the people with dementia have those same physical feelings and physical needs. Loved it when you called That's her your right. free range chick. <laughs> That's right. She's my free range chick. And, and the thing about it is free range uh, chicks uh, uh, are healthier. She's, uh, you know, trying to maintain her happiness. Happiness is fleeting, as we know. Joy is a longer term. And, and right now, uh, we, we, we went through our marriage uh, and we started it out saying, promising each other, we were not going to let anything steal our joy. And then Alzheimer's comes along and I still didn't want that to steal our joy. We wanted, I wanted to try to maintain uh, the quality of life that she'd 
set up for herself as long as I possibly could, physically possible. It's one of the things that we try to teach um, people who are coming into being caregivers because it's it's intense and it lasts a very long time. And to be able to find the joy in the moments that you share with that person is, is really important. And it comes into play with, you know, that everybody tells you to take care of yourself. Well, part of that is finding the joy. It may not be out, uh, you know, going to a movie or something, but if you're finding the joy, that's taking care of yourself too. Yes. And one yeah. of the things I noticed in, um, is that you play the piano. Yes. Now, does that help? At all, you know, I'm a music therapist, and I know music has a profound Im impact on dementia patients and their memory. It does. Uh, I read somewhere that uh, you know the part of the brain that that uh, would enjoy music is one of the last parts to be affected by the uh, uh, by Alzheimer's. Uh, they and uh, amyloid plaques and you know, tau proteins, that's, that's the last invasive area. And so she enjoys that. Um, I play the piano for her just about every day. Awesome. And I play, there's favorite songs. There's, and, and you may have heard some on the, on my video mm -hmm. section of my uh, Facebook page. And, uh, but she enjoys it and I join doing it. For now, her. just as, as a, as a side, do you do sing-alongs? Okay, no. <laughs> I, I was just curious. No, no. I used to play in a band, uh, and uh, I played the piano and organ when I was playing the band, and I had a microphone in front of me, and I'd I'd be singing in that microphone, but nobody out in the audience knew that that microphone was unplugged because uh, my my piano playing is better than my singing. <laughs> well, I was I was just wondering if 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 she with the music, it would jar the memory to to be able to sing along with you. Well, you know, that's interesting that you mentioned that because, uh, you know, we've tried to do that. She does, she being, she has global aphasia, uh, receptive and expressive aphasia, so she can't form words. And okay. she doesn't even try to, um, which is interesting because she also sang at a women's group in our community. And, uh, and she, she missed that for a while, but then she's completely forgotten about it. Well, I understand but again. That's, that's a really that's a, that's a good point. Understand also I, from your your video that uh, she has a friend in the house at the yes. top of the <laughs> stairs. A friend at the top of the, the stairs. Mirror. Yes, yes. Uh, we were we were. I was I was downstairs and and I heard her talking upstairs and I kind of snuck up, you know, and and I noticed oh she's talking to her friend in the mirror and she's having this wonderful conversation then i started the video and then she introduced me to her friend and she introduced herself to her friends as points to herself i'm Anne, and you are and and uh i thought that was just so precious yes. i agree too and i think maybe that might be some, something i will suggest to people going forward when i you know when i'm trying to when i'm trying to find a way for people to connect with the person in their care and also to calm the person with dementia maybe show them a mirror and uh, see if they relate to that person mm -hmm. 
if I would find that I would stand in front of the mirror with her and I put my arm around her and I say, who's that? And she says, that's me. And I says, well, who's that other person? She says, I don't know. But you know what? It looks like that other person really loves you because he's got his arm around you. And I think, I think it looks like a good person. She goes, yeah, good, good. So you can understand her even though she can't form words? Yes, a lot of it is body language, nonverbal communication. It's a skill that you kind of have to develop. Now, this is interesting. You're probably very familiar with the uh, movie and the book Still yes. Alice. Okay, well, uh, Alice Howland was a linguistics professor. And Anne, her, she has a master's degree in speech pathology. So that's interesting because when she started to lose the ability to speak, I started hitting all her old textbooks to find a key as to how I can communicate better. And I'm looking at their textbooks and, and in here it says how to, how to communicate with people who've lost their ability to speech, to, 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 to speak. She used to deal with a lot of stroke victims and so that's part of that. And I started reading this as, okay, how do I do this? How do I do this? And, and of course, you know, we know the, the, the book, you know, is as far as um, maintain eye contact, look at her. Sometimes they can be autistic. They'll look away mm-hmm. and they won't, they won't maintain eye contact, but you move your head into their field of view and you wave your hand in front of her eyes and you direct your, her attention back to your face. And that way, and I put my hands gently on her shoulders and that gets her attention back to me. And, and we, you know, I try to do that. Now she'll f- be able to form some words um, <clears throat> and some, oh my gosh, sometimes she'll just absolutely surprise us and, and come out with something that's, a multi, multi-syllable word and, and say, oh my gosh, where'd that come from? But then again, that's the brain's plasticity. At yeah, work. I com- compare you know. it to a, a light bulb that's maybe not quite secure and it, you know, in seconds and go from light to dark and back again. That's right. Or a filament that's mm-hmm. loose or something. You got to tap it a little bit, tap her head a little bit. Okay, <laughs> fine. Let's make that connection again. Let's, let's try to find a new neural pathway from one part of the brain to the other and make that work again. And, and the more you can stimulate that, uh, the longer you have. It's like uh, the plasticity of the brain is it's the ability to find new pathways. Mm-hmm. You know, it's basically like a bridge. You know, the, the, you've got, you've got uh, uh, a bridge uh, on one side and, and, a, and a structure on the other side and the bridge is in between. Well, when that bridge is broken, you have to build a new bridge. But the problem is over a period of time, the, uh, you know, basically the, the ends of those bridges that, you know, the two supports on each end of the bridge, once that crumbles away, then you have problems. You've explained that very well. I think a lot of people in our audience are gonna understand that better. Yeah. No, no. 
I have a question for you. So you had mentioned that once the diagnosis happened, you guys pulled out the bucket list and started working the bucket <laughs> list. And I think that's awesome. And um, mm -hmm. how long did you have to work the bucket list before it was not completed, but before it was no longer viable? Very, very good question, Mike. Um, it was actually, it was quite a few years. Good. You know, the, the, when you start, of course, first you're in this period of denial. She's going to get better. This is, this may be temporary. It may not be Alzheimer's. It may, you know, it might be a misdiagnosis because she was, I, I think she was diagnosed pretty fairly early on because I'd noticed things early on. And one of our best friends is a neurologist. So, um, but then I didn't want to talk bucket list. We just wanted to say, okay, let's do these things. Let's go on these vacations. Let's go to Europe. Let's go, let's go to the Grand Canyon. Let's go on a tour, a top tour, you know, here and there and everywhere else. And uh, let's, uh, let's fly the airplane a couple different places, you know, and, and, you know, gee, and you've never jumped out of an airplane. You want to do that? Fine. She did her first parachute jump after her How diagnosis. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And so she says, I want to continue living. And eventually we had some really tough discussions as well. Um, I think probably starting about five years ago when uh, her friends started to distance themselves. Mm. There's a text that she sent a friend of hers that I still have on my phone that I refer to every once in a while. And she said in her broken way of communicating. Uh, I don't want Stoppy be your friend. I miss you. I want you to come. You don't come anymore. And, and she was begging her friend to come and visit her again. And that just broke my heart. And she, she told me, she says, I know that you're going to take good care of me because I promised to keep her at home for the duration. And uh, that's, that's a, a part of a, a thing that I wrote for Chicken Soup for the Soul. And it's called The Talk. I don't know if you have that or not, but if you've seen that. But I haven't seen that. That was it. Chicken Soup for the Caregiver Soul? Chicken Soup for the Soul, Living with Alzheimer's oh, okay. and Other Dimensions. Uh, I will look for it. I've actually got stories in four of those books. Awesome. Well, I'll have to send this. That's and, incredible. Well, and one coming this. up, right? Well, yeah, I'm counting that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. August 11th. I think I've got another one coming up too. So um, anyway, I, I was starting to write about these things and, and she said, well, look, I, I know you're going to take care of me. Who's going to take care of you? We started having really tough discussions and she was really, she was becoming very, very lonely. She says, she says, my friends aren't coming to see me. And I would arrange play dates and, and get her, have, her, you know, take her to luncheons with her ladies flying group and uh, in, at the restaurant in our neighborhood. And so she was starting to lose her friends and that really bothered me. Uh, 
and then she said, well, why don't we find a friend to, for both of us? And I go, oh, what are you talking about? She says, well, you know, someone that we can do things with and everything. I says, no, 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 we're going to have fun. We'll do things together and everything. And it wasn't until I saw that last text where she was begging the, her last friend to come visit her that I decided, I says, we need to, we need to start talking about this. And uh, we decided together to try to find some friend. And, uh, and we set out on that path. Did you? And did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, we did. I was waiting for that question. <laughs> uh, all right. Together, Ann and I, it was three years ago. I put it off and I put it off and I put it off. Well, three years ago, it was getting worse. And I was starting to feel lonely and broken, very depressed. That was a, that was a really low moment in my life as a caregiver. And so I talked to Ann about it and I says, well, let's, we're going to do this. We're going to try this. And it was when she could still talk some and, 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 and reason and, and do things. So together we went on a dating site. It was a, it, we had a picture of both of us and I said, my wife and I would like to have a platonic friend that we could go do things with and, and maybe do some traveling and, and, to, to just be her buddy and for someone that I could have an adult conversation with and just kind of share my feelings with because a lot of our friends, even our, the couples, uh, they just, they feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. because they don't want to see their own, they see their own mortality. Right. They see, they, they might see their own future in this because Anne was so young and beautiful and, and vibrant. So we set out to do this. And I even, I said, I, I kind of spelled out, you know, the type of person we were looking for, someone who, you know, didn't have a lot of responsibilities, possibly retired, uh, no baggage. And one of the things I said, I said, I will never meet you the first time without my wife present. I want to see the compassion you have for her first. That's, that's more important. And oh my goodness, I, we had over 200 people that were interested in kind of joining awesome. us. And I was just, I was just blown away. And I'd, I'd say probably 25 or 30 of those ladies are still Facebook friends of ours that are just kind of cheering us <laughs> on. And, um, and I was overwhelmed by this. And I said, Ann, this is really nice. We've met some people and everything, but I just can't. I, I can't do this. I, I'm uncomfortable with it. And, and I says, she says, okay, well, let's, let's, I said, let's take a little break. And I did for about three months. And I thought, you know what? Okay. We met some nice people. Some were obvious gold diggers and some, you know, people who were basically needy. And I says, that's not what we're looking for. And we stopped and then took a break for about three months. And then we went on another one called Farmers Only, uh -huh, because uh -huh. we have a farm. We met a different class of lady, someone who's, uh, you know, wants to go dig in the dirt and have fun with Ann and, you know, get the hands dirty and drive the tractor and, and do things, you know, that's more of a kind of country type of nature. And that's when we met Sharon. And uh, 
You see her a I lot do. on our Facebook I do. page. I thought maybe it was Anne's sister. Well, a lot of people think that because they uh -huh. look so much alike. That wasn't planned. <laughs> <laughs> but Anne, and it's funny because we would we would sit and look at the computer. You know, you swipe left and swipe right <laughs> or something like that, you know. And Anne, Anne said, she she's nice. She looks nice. Well, we met and the first day we met, she took Anne's hand and walked her around. We met at a car show because we all we all like cars. And I I have a picture of her holding Anne's hand, walking around looking at cars. And that's the way it's been. She Anne does not have any natural sisters, so she, so Sharon is the sister that Anne never had. And they've become close, and that was that's been almost two years ago. We've been together ever since. Well, what what a wonderful uh, relationship that you've forged, and what a wonderful um, opportunity that I don't think many caregivers would have thought of that your sharing is going to open up a, a world to them. And I didn't I didn't really think about that until you know things you know started to develop into a real relationship. And, and I mean, the way she loves Anne without any, you know, she's from a farm family. Sharon lost her mother to Alzheimer's uh -huh. disease. And her dad took care of her mother by himself. And it was, it was great because, you know, her dad understood this and she understood the need. She saw the heartbreak in her dad and the loneliness. Uh -huh. Well, you certainly did did a wonderful thing there. I, I, I got to tell you, I feel kind of warm and fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> better, better than warm chocolate milk. <laughs> Karen is an absolute angel. Oh. She has a heart. She has the heart of a servant. Well, and that's that to me and her whole family. Uh, you know, we've become close to her father. Uh, her her mother's sister would come and help her dad take care of her sister. You know, a lot of people, and it's interesting too, because some of the people that I've met, uh, they would place their spouse in a uh, assisted living or a memory care facility and then go on with life like that. Well, I couldn't do that with Anne. There, one of my Facebook posts was, you know, you cannot, how can you say goodbye when you haven't run out of hellos? Right. I definitely like that. Um, I do and, want and, to mention that not everybody is in that situation, that sometimes a facility is what they need to do. But the fact, you know, we kept Roger home with us and you kept Anne home with you. That's a, mm -hmm. that's a decision that each family has to make. I would never criticize anybody who has to, place their uh, a loved one in a facility because in many cases a facility is going to be able to care for them better exactly. than they can themselves due to burnout i mean this is a terrible terrible thing i mean it, uh, so many caregivers die before the patient exactly. does and so many be caregivers become the second victim of the disease and ann and i were bound to determine not to do that you know of course you know we have our plan a my plan a was to die in hands arms you know 30 40 years from now <laughs> but uh 
you know, things change. And, and as long as we can adapt to that change and reprogram our future and, and you know, take, uh, you know, try to continue that bucket list as much as we possibly can. Well, well on that um, note, I think we're going to have to wrap up. Yeah. But I, I will tell you, we're going to post the link on the website, uh, on the Roger That website, because I think all of our listeners would get the same feeling that we got by watching your video. So we're going to post that, uh, the links. To our Facebook yes. page. Yes. And, and my, my goodness, uh, thank you so much for coming on and telling your story. It's not the easiest thing well, in the I'm world. I'm going to post links to you on my Facebook page. Well, too. We do appreciate we that. We do appreciate that. And we hope you will follow the show and listen to the other guests as well. I will definitely do that. Uh, Sharon and Anna, I will definitely do that and sit together. Well, as, we'll as we like to say, valuable. Roger that. <laughs> so, again, absolutely. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you so, so very Mike much. Mike and Bobby, it was a pleasure being with you thank today. Thank you. Pleasure was ours. All right. All right. Take care. Bye bye. So, wow. What, what a guy. Absolutely. I mean, I want to be his BFF. <laughs> Well, if that's possible through Facebook, you know, this you can link true. up there. This is true. And the thing that blew me away was uh, going on the dating sites. I would have never thought of that in 10,000 million years. I don't think most people would have. And the fact no. that it's worked out so well has got to be an inspiration for others. And it's like anything else, try until you succeed. And, and I, I got to give it to him for his tenacity. And, and wanting to do the right thing by Ann. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. I love it. Well, that's why I reached out to him. I thought it was very special. And, you know, when he talked about adapt and reprogram, you know, and, and, and move forward, that's kind of fits right in with creative problem solving. Yep. <laughs> it, and I, I know the listeners will get a lot out of his story and his just being able to, to, to go for it. And absolutely. Bye. Absolutely. Golly gee whiz. What a great guest today. And you can find more information about Bruce on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes, post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Missing Link is a proud partner of Hearing Charities of America, a nonprofit organization that supports those who are deaf or hard of hearing. You can find out more about HCA on our website or go to hearingcharities.org. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content.